0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm the family ministries pastor here at Grace Point, and I'm excited to be here with you guys all for Generations Sunday. Today I'm going to tell you the story about a wall, and uh, so this is a wall. It's not just a bunch of cardboard boxes. Uh, this isn't the actual wall we're talking about. We're actually going to be talking about the wall of Jerusalem, and it'll be up there on the screen. And uh, the original wall of Jerusalem was built around 1000 B.C., It was big, as you can tell, and it was built as protection for Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and it protected people and their families, their homes. It protected the temple that was inside, and it protected God's people from their enemies and allowed them to continue to worship God. So, in our story today, talking about the wall, we come in at a point where this wall had been destroyed. So that's where we are. God's God's, uh, people were no longer protected because the wall was destroyed. The wall was in ruins and it left everything inside vulnerable. So open to being taken over by the enemy. And now in this point in the story, a lot has happened actually since the original wall was uh, destroyed and you can read that in the Bible. Uh, But today we're coming in at a point where uh, Nehemiah comes in. And if you were in Kids Point or Point 4.5 this past year, we learned all the books of the Bible and we learned that Nehemiah helped build the wall around the neighborhood. And uh, so that was the book of Nehemiah. He helped build the wall around the neighborhood. This is the wall and Jerusalem is that neighborhood. And so Nehemiah, now he didn't live in Jerusalem anymore, uh, but he asked his brother and the people about the city and what was going on. And they said, That the people in the city were in great trouble and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And now, even though Nehemiah wasn't living in Jerusalem at the time, it was still the home of his people and of his ancestors. And so, when he found out that the wall was destroyed and the people were in trouble, his heart broke for his home. So, the very first thing that Nehemiah did was he prayed. He got down on his knees and he mourned and he repented and he asked God to help him rebuild the wall Now at the time of this story Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Persia pretty important role but he wasn't sure if the king would actually let him go help rebuild the wall And so the first thing Nehemiah did was he prayed And he asked for God's help, and then he asked the king if he could go back to his home of his ancestors and help rebuild the wall. And the king allowed him to because of God's help, and so Nehemiah made the trek back to Jerusalem and made a plan for rebuilding, and he told everyone that the God of heaven will give them success. And so there he is, he's back in Jerusalem, he's standing there looking at the wall, it's in complete shambles, there's rubble everywhere... And he realized this was a big job And so The first thing he did He got all sorts of people involved And this is one of my favorite parts of the story Reading all the people that were involved In rebuilding the wall Listen to this list of people There were goldsmiths Priests Perfume makers Men and their sons Rulers of districts and their daughters Countrymen Merchants Pretty much everybody guys And so here they are, they're all together, the men, their sons, the priests, the rulers, and their daughters, and they are building the wall. And the Bible says that the people rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, and the people worked with all their heart. And so there they were, halfway, but the people were tired, and the rubble around it made the work hard, and then threats from the enemy started coming in. The enemy said that they would kill the workers and put an end to all the work on the wall. And so here they are, people are already tired from all the work and now they're scared because the enemies are making threat and they just seem like this wasn't going to happen. There's no way. But what did Nehemiah always do first? Pray. Nehemiah prayed. So Nehemiah prayed about it. And then he stood up in front of all the people and he said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And so the people remembered what they were fighting for. And they remembered the great and awesome God who was with them. And so they returned to their work on the wall. But this time it was a little different. While some of the people worked on the wall, there were other people that stood watching guard, one with shields and spears. And some people, the ones that were carrying the materials, the Bible says that they would carry the materials with one hand and they'd have a weapon in the other as they were working. And there were families there that were keeping guard at their posts while people were working. And they kept working on this wall. But Nehemiah still noticed something. Nehemiah still noticed that there were all these different groups of people working all over the wall, all over the city. They were disjointed, disunified, and it made it more op- they made the people more open to attack. So Nehemiah had an idea. He said, I will sound a trumpet every day and wherever you hear that trumpet, that is where you go to work. And so when he sounded the trumpet, they came to that place and they started working at that place on the wall. And when they did, Nehemiah reminded them that God will fight for us. So they're working on the wall, but even still, the people got tired. And the enemies were still scheming. But what did Nehemiah always do first? Pray. So Nehemiah prayed to God. And he asked God to, Lord, strengthen my hands. And so God answered. The people kept on building. And finally, the wall, the original wall was two and a half miles long. An average height of almost 40 feet and an average thickness of eight feet. This wall was completed in 52 days. 52 days, guys. And here's the best part. Nehemiah said, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And that's where we're going to stop today It's a pretty awesome place to stop But let's review what happened Here in this story There was a problem The problem was The wall was broken Right? But Nehemiah had a solution What did Nehemiah do first Every single time? Pray You guys are getting really good at that answer Every time he prayed He prayed every time he needed vision Or help Or instruction Or strength. But that wasn't the end of Nehemiah's solution. He didn't just pray because then he showed up to fight. He went directly to the problem and he faced it head on and he fought and he worked hard. But that wasn't even the end of Nehemiah's solution. He didn't just pray and then he didn't just show up and start building the wall by himself. No, he couldn't have done it by himself. Nehemiah knew that if this was going to work, God's people would have to unite. So he united God's people to accomplish something very big. And So Nehemiah prayed, and he fought, and he united God's people together. And in 52 days, it was finished, and the enemies fled. I love this story, guys, because I love seeing... What God did through Nehemiah and God's people. They prayed. They fought for their families. They showed up. God showed up, and the people were safe again, and they could worship together. Problem solved. Isn't that an awesome story? And now that I've told you all about this wall this morning and the people and all that, you may wonder, what for? Well, church, I'm here to tell you this morning that just like Nehemiah, we have a problem. Our wall is broken. Now we may not have a stone wall like the wall of Jerusalem, but the spiritual walls to our homes and our churches are broken. The walls have come down and the enemy is coming through. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by this. In a study that just came out just this week, it shows that only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Now, biblical worldview is a fancy churchy term, so let me define what that means for you. A biblical worldview is when we believe the Bible is true, and then we allow it to rule in our lives, to have authority in our life, and then we apply it to every area of our life, And then we live out what we believe. We live out those beliefs. So a biblical worldview is looking at everything, every person, every problem, every relationship, everything through the lens of the Bible. It puts God's word as the primary way for us to understand and make decisions about what God says and what to do. What we see and what we do starts with what God says. That is a biblical worldview. So now back to this statistic. It says, So even though that more than 50 to 65% of Americans say they are Christians, which I say 50 to 65% because, you know, statistics, you never know which one you read, but 50 to 65% of Americans say they are Christians, it, only 6% have a biblical worldview, So, what does that mean? Why the difference? Well, that means that most Christians don't believe the Bible to be completely true. They don't apply it to how they live, and they don't let it be the guide for their life. So, out of the more than 50 to 65% of Americans that say they are Christians, only 6% listen to and do what the Bible tells us to do. Church, our spiritual walls are broken. God's people are not living by the truth of God's word and their foundation of faith is in rubble. As the book of Nehemiah says, we are in great trouble and disgrace. And there's further proof that our spiritual walls are broken. Two-thirds of adults say that truth is always relative to the person and the situation. Even worse, four-fifths of teenagers say that moral truth depends on circumstances. What does that mean? It means that the vast majority of adults and teenagers say they don't believe that God's word is the absolute truth for everyone at every time, everywhere. And church, there is a problem because we are here in this room today because we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, everybody say truth, and the life. Nothing else ever trumps the truth of God. Not our hearts, not our circumstances, not our politics, not power, not our money, not our friends, not our desires. Nothing ever trumps the truth of God. Jesus is the truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. God's word is the truth. Everybody say truth. truth. So our wall is broken. And while like Nehemiah, that should break our hearts, we can't stop there. We've got to look to him for the solution because it can be easy to be in this spot where we see the world and we see the church and all of its problems and we're like, you know what? That's just too big for me. That's just, there's too much there. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to leave it there. But we can't stop there, guys. What was the very first thing that Nehemiah always did? He prayed. He prayed. That's what we should do. We should be dropping to our knees and praying and repenting and asking God for forgiveness and asking God for His help. The world has always been broken, and that should always be on our prayers. But when the church's walls are demolished, that should break our hearts, guys. So we pray. But we can't stop there either, guys, because it can be easy to do that. We can see the world and all its problems and the church and all its problems and we're like, this is too big, I don't know what to do. But we do have a God who is bigger than that and so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to leave God to the rest of it. And it's easy to stop there. But we can't stop there. We've got to fight. Everybody say fight. What did Nehemiah say to God's people? Did he say, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and just pray about the problem? He did pray, but what he said was, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So he doesn't just pray and then let somebody else deal with the problem. Church, we have to fight. We can't be blind to the fact that we have an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy the church. We have to fight. Everybody say fight. And just like Nehemiah, we can't even stop there because we can't fight this battle alone. Does anybody in here think Nehemiah could have rebuilt this wall in 52 days? Guys I spent 250 days once remodeling my own kitchen so I couldn't do it. Of course he couldn't do it. God's people united and built the wall together. Church, you are God's people and it is time to unite. Everybody say unite. It wasn't just the priests that did it. It wasn't just those who were in charge that did it. It was the countrymen And their sons And it was the rulers Of districts and their daughters And it was the perfume makers And it was the merchants And it was the nobles They all united And this morning I'm speaking to you guys The body of believers at Grace Point And I'm here to say that our wall is broken Now these statistics are probably not perfectly accurate because statistics aren't always but even being remotely close to the numbers that I gave you this morning should drop us to our knees when I read the statistics this week I was heartbroken and if we think that this isn't here in Brookings or in South Dakota we're wrong I'm telling you as someone who works with kids and youth and adults it is here And if we think it's not our problem, we're wrong. It is. Our wall is broken, so we have to pray and unite and fight. Our wall is broken. Or you and me, God's people, will continue to be open to the attack of the enemy And guys, if you do not see the effects of the attack on the enemy of families in the church right now, you are not watching what's going on in the world. We have got to pray and fight and unite. So the past few weeks, guys, we've been talking about opportunities. We've been talking about opportunities to serve locally and regionally and globally. Guys, I am literally the first person to jump on that bag wagon. I love serving in those ways i have done a lot of it and my life and heart has been changed by that but there is a problem and the problem is that sometimes we want to save the world but we can't save the world when our own walls are broken now grace point we have a strong church body and i truly believe that i believe that we are biblically sound We have a history of raising up strong spiritual leaders. You guys are God's people and I love you. But there are places in our walls that are broken. And they need rebuilt. And we need God's people to build the wall. We need all of us to unite. Merchants, priests, countrymen, mothers, daughters, fathers, sons. We have got to unite Are you joining Your church family In building this wall Are you carrying The materials in one hand With a a shield in the other Are you standing guard For your families I hope this stuff This morning drops us All to our knees It did me this week But I also hope That this reminds you What happens At the end of the story God showed up. God showed up, guys, and he gave them success. The wall was built in 52 days, and all the enemies fled because they saw that God was with them. And that is the hope in this church. God shows up. God shows up and does more than we could ever imagine. And we've got to show up to the battle too. We've got to fight. Everybody say, fight. Guys, at the bottom of your note guide this morning, there is a space that says, how will I fight for my home and my church? And my prayer is that you guys pray about that. But I really pray that you don't stop there. I hope you pray about it and then you fight. That you fight for your homes The home is the very first institution that God created to disciple people and transfer the faith. Fight for it. The church is the second institution that God created to disciple people and transfer the faith. Fight for it. We've got to engage now because I don't know how many more heartbreaking statistics we have to hear Before we engage, how many heartbreaking statistics do we have to hear before we jump in the game and unite together as a church and start fighting? Before you start leading the children and joining a prayer team and being on the welcome team and helping in the nursery and being a leader? Guys, we have got to unite and fight because our walls are broken. What else do we have to see before we start jumping in the game? But when we do this, guys, When we do this and we build up the spiritual walls around our families and around our churches, what happens? God shows up. And we will be building a strong foundation for all who are sent out from here. And they will be looking at the world with the truth of God, with their biblical worldview. And they will be fighting their enemies with a God who even their enemies will say, God was with them. So, guys, when we talk about serving locally and regionally and globally, we've got to start here. We've got to build up our spiritual walls so we can march into the world full of hope and with the God who will give us success. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Let us pray. Father, this morning I come to you heartbroken. Father, it's easy to look at the world around us and just not know what to do. Father, I am sorry that we have let it get to this place where our spiritual walls are broken. But Father, I thank you for the story that gives us the hope in you, the hope in that we joining together. We can fight this battle because we know that the God of heaven will give us success. So I pray that as we leave here today, that we pray and we mourn and we ask for your help. But we don't stop there. Father, I pray that we fight this battle. Give us the strength and the encouragement and the vision to fight this battle in our homes and in this church as this body of believers help us fight in this church and to unite together so we are not fighting alone. So at the end of the day, our spiritual walls will not be broken but even our enemies will look at us and say, their God is with them. Father, thank you for being awesome, God who shows up and help us to join in that fight. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.